Julian King with you on Higher Ground this Wednesday evening, just gone 10pm on the east coast of Australia. Now, for those that are still awake, maybe you're heading to work, maybe you're coming home from work. I don't know. It doesn't matter which way you're going. Regardless, it's great to have your company. SEN 1170 in Sydney, 1620 on the Goldie and via the SEN app. Let's keep each other company for the next couple of hours. Multi's here to entertain us as well. Now, my open line number, if you want to have a chat, 1300 1170 1300 1170 and the text line, the all-important text line, 0457 736 736, 0457 736 736. Simon McLaughlin, he's the deputy editor of the Daily and Sunday Telegraph. He's going to join me shortly to have a look at the back pages of tomorrow's telly. And Alex, the panel, is going to put me under the blowtorch as well with another stirring bout of agree <laughs> to disagree. Now, look, this is a story that has grabbed a fair bit of attention it doesn't go down well with the rugby league purists from New South Wales. And Michael Chamis from the Nine Papers has been all over this story. ARL Commission Chairman Peter Volandis says the NRL is giving strong consideration to a, wait for it, Super Bowl-style rotational grand final venue, which could inject an estimated $200 million into the sport over the next decade. Do you like this? Highest bidder go around the country. I'm warm to it, I've got to say. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Now, we understand the NRL uh, this week is going to put forward a proposal to the New South Wales government that keeps with the tradition of the grand final being played in Sydney. But but, but it allows the flexibility of taking a certain number of deciders on the road each decade. So it, it, we're going to take a wait-and-see approach at the moment. Let's see what happens after the meeting with Dominic Perrottet. And the Herald were all over this on Tuesday. So Peter Volandi's called for an urgent meeting with the New South Wales Premier. And that'll happen on Friday to discuss the future of the NRL Grand Final. So nothing's a done deal. And ultimately, it will be a decision for the ARL Commission. But PVL's bang on the money. He says that we have to remember it's, it's the National Rugby League for a reason. He says supporters will travel. Panthers and Rabbitohs fans didn't get the chance to go to Brisbane last year, but they would if they could have. And fandom goes beyond the old geographical boundaries from the start of the National Rugby League, or the New South Wales Rugby League, I should say. I'll give you an example. I'm a Dragons fan. Huge presence in Brisbane. Huge. And he goes on to say, PVL, the reality is the grand final will still have a place in Sydney. It won't go every year. But just this idea of taking it on the road is something they're considering. If we opened it up, we'd have interest from every state. I think he's right. Melbourne love to put their hands up for that sort of thing. Queensland, we know. Maybe Perth. So the NRL is considering this this hybrid model, hybrid model which locks in grand finals in the two heartland cities, Sydney and Brisbane, for X number of grand finals over the next 10 years, for example. And we know Queensland, they're willing to reach into the hip pocket, pull out 10 mil, and pay that for the grand final. 52000 That that's the capacity of Suncorp Stadium. And you know the NRL will profit from the ticket sales and the merchandise and, and all sorts of corporate events. But the remaining games, though, outside of Sydney and Brisbane, the remaining games will be put up for auction, not excluding Sydney and Brisbane, by the way, but flogged off to the highest bidder. This makes sense. This makes sense. 
So what that does, that opens the door for a grand final to be played either maybe at Optus Stadium in Perth, 65,000 capacity, Eden Park, Auckland. You could probably stretch that to 60,000 if they build it the right way. Adelaide Oval, over 50. Melbourne, we know that. If you had Origin there, 100,000. How far and wide do you go? Could you go to Wembley, for example? That, look, I draw the line. It's got to be in Australia. But he's a big thinker, Peter Volandis, and if there's a buck to be made for the game, he'll look into it, rest assured. But maybe, look, if the NRL was willing to follow the NFL's path, maybe they could introduce like a two-week build-up to the final match of the season. And he likes this NFL model, Volandis. That's the one that sees the Super Bowl played. That'll be in Arizona 2023, Vegas 2024, New Orleans 2025. That'll add to the hyper grand final week. States, as we know, so they'll get the bid on it. And Volandi says what people have to understand is that there are only two major national events in Australia with local content, the NRL and AFL grand finals. And he's right, Peter, when he says they add enormous value to a state's economy. They're not handouts. It stimulates significant amounts of money for the local economy. So if Brisbane or Adelaide, Melbourne, Perth or Auckland host it, well then New South Wales fans, if you're a diehard fan or a member, you'll get to travel. Fork out some cash. And you make an event out of it. Why not take the show on the road? Why not? It's a premier event. You know you've got a good thing. You back your game, you show off your game. And I like the vision here from Volandis. So we'll wait and see what the outcome is after this meeting with New South Wales Premier Dominic Perrottet on Friday, how flexible will he be? Will they fork out more money to keep it in Sydney? And the Commission will ultimately have to make that decision. 0457 736 736. Certainly, we know Queenslanders are delighted to hear this news. I mean, they've been shouting for years, oh, well, Brisbane deserves one. And they're not without a case. Why, why shouldn't they host a grand final? And, oh, look, I'm not talking about last year. Because that was COVID determined. But if there was a grand final between the, say, for example, the Broncos and the Titans, and yes, I know it's locked in before we know who the grand finalists are, but you feel like those sorts of matchups should be in Brisbane, despite the reduced capacity. You may have a thought on that tonight, 0457 736 736. Still on league, um, Tarek Sims is not going to be granted an immediate release, by the way, to join the Melbourne Storm. There's a bit of chatter around this morning about when. He might leave the Dragons and go to the Storm. But Storm officials told the Dragons, no, they're not planning. They're not planning to have Tarek on their books in 2022. He was at a press conference today at Tarek Sims. He said, look, the clubs are talking about a potential mid-season switch. The nine papers were told by sources familiar with the situation that the Storm quickly phoned St. George Lawara's top brass to douse the prospect. So he has signed that one-year deal, Tarek, to join the Storm next year after the Dragons opted not to offer him a contract beyond that season. And you think about adding Sims to Melbourne, you know, does that boost their title prospects? Oh, maybe, maybe not. But he was asked about the chance, Tarek Sims, of an early release. He says, I think the clubs are talking, but you'd have to ask them. I never wanted to leave here in the first place. It's rugby league. It's a business. You have to take it week by week. Nice cliches. And no big surprise, he's focused on playing good, consistent, hard football. I'm a firm believer in controlling what you can control. But no, the Storm have knocked it on the head. He's not likely to be there this year. 
And by the way, you may have seen the team list. He's been elevated to the starting side for this clash between the Dragons and the Tigers. That game in Wollongong on Sunday. Uh, Jaden Silver obviously facing that extended stint on the sidelines with that ankle injury sustained in the Anzac Day clash. Well, look, any chance Sims would leave earlier, surely gone out the window. We know that now with that injury to Sewer. Because if you're the Dragons, you go, well, maybe now that you're losing Jaden Sewer for a month and a half, well, no, we, we need you. We need an edge back rower. 0457 736 736. Look, I went to the Sydney Kings game on Sunday. In terms of fan day experiences, go, it is second to none. It's brilliant. I took my young fella there. Got there a bit too late, though, for the celebrity game. A bit too late. But Steve Carfino has had this crack at Nick Kyrgios. And I read this and I was stunned. Really? It was a charity game of basketball to raise money for the Starlight Foundation. They raised 50 grand. And he's had a crack at Nick Kyrgios for, for being selfish, for being a bit of a, a premier donor. Let's just have a listen to what Steve Carfino said. I'm going to go on the record right here. Man, put the camera on me. No. <laughs> what a jerk. Oh, my goodness, man. What lack of sportsmanship. He's blocking girls' shots. He's not passing to his teammates. This is a celebrity game. No. You're serious? No, I just thought it wasn't, you know, it was unsportsmanlike. You know, like I think it wasn't the right moment to show how dominant you can be against um, Australia's uh, contestant for Miss World. Now, a bit of context here. So Steve Carfina was coaching the opposition team, as I said, for this charity match on Sunday. It raised money for the Starlight Foundation. But you heard there he was sort of disappointed. He sounded tongue-in-cheek at first, but he said, no, he was serious. Mystified at the disrespect that he showed, not just for Miss Universe. There he mentioned uh, Maria Thattle, I think is how you pronounce her name, who apparently called Kyrgios a jerk, but also mentioned how he, he was disrespectful towards Premier Dominic Perrottet. He says, I'm a positive guy. This is a celebrity game. That's the Premier. Have some respect. Came out there to show his worth. And like he said, I'm going to go on the record right here. And he even said, put the camera on me and call Kyrgios a jerk. Kyrgios has hit back. This is what he said. He took to social media, did Nick. Lack of respect, you potato. Under his term, potato. You say he's probably more a, was he a Pontiac? What are the other ones? Sebago's? You potato, have a look at my foundation and look me in my eyes and tell me what lack of respect there is for that, Kyrgios wrote. Maybe if you showed less sportsmanship, your NBA career would have lasted longer. Laugh emoji. So there you go. This is just blown up. Uh, Thaddle Miss Australia, uh, defended Kyrgios, saying it was just a case of sportsman being competitive. She said, oh, I'm not too fussed with the fact Kyrgios blocked my shot. I'm going to take it. As he saw me as a threat, Nick's a sportsman. I think he was, it was clear he wanted to do well. For a lot of us who don't possess the same sporting prowess, we didn't take it as seriously. His version of giving it his best is different to our version. Nick was engaging with the kids, which is true. We all did our best to raise a ton of money for the cause. End of story. So Paul Smith, who's the CEO of the Sydney Kings, said, look, he tweeted earlier today, Steve Carfino's a legend, but he's wrong on this. He's wrong on this. Shane Hill who was coaching the opposition team, said that Nick was a delight to work with. And in a certain way told Steve Carfino to pull his head in. Are we really making an issue with this? I know, Nick, 
comes he can look a bit surly sometimes. But I mean, this may be this may be the first time anybody has ever suggested that Kyrgios has tried too hard. Like so what is competitive? Wow, it's a professional sportsman. <laughs> Hardly the worst crime in the world. Hardly. Did Starlight earn some money? Yes, fifty grand. End of story. And I'll tell you another thing. If I'm the Premier Dominic Perrottet, I don't want Nick to do me any favours. And I read this week that Nick is apparently in the market for a house in Sydney, so he wants to get out of Canberra. He's been stiffing around some of the prime roll gold real estate over the Sydney's eastern suburbs. Well, no doubt the Premier, no doubt the Premier is more than happy to bank that enormous chunk of stamp duty on the property that Nick Kyrgios ultimately buys. Enough said. 0457 736 736 is the text line number. Hey, while we're on basketball, we had the NBL MVPs tonight. You know, it's the first live game I've seen for the good part of about 20 years. 20 years. And it's been too long. I said the last time I saw the Kings, Dean Utop was playing and wore the Reebok pumps. It was a long, long time ago, before Mulchy was worn, probably. And I was doing breakfast here um, over summer one morning with Joe Healy, you know, who's, who's the queen of basketball in this country. She said, we've got to sort that out. And she basically, her and Julian O'Brien from the Kings, thank you, had dragged me back. It was a great day. And now after one game, I'm a pro. Jalen Adams didn't even play. And I said, you know, he'll be the MVP, this bloke. And guess what? He has been named tonight. Thank you, the MVP. So Bryce Cotton, who's basically been the greatest, arguably the greatest NBL player ever. Well, he's been for a third straight NBL MVP. He's fallen short, and it was Jalen Adams that beat him for the illustrious award. So 105 votes to Jalen Adams. Edged out the Perth Wildcats scoring machine, Bryce Cotton, and Melbourne's Joe Lual Akul Jr. Did I pronounce that right, Bolchi? Yeah, let's just go with that. Uh, after an injury riddle start of the season, Adams exploded onto the scene. Key role in the Kings' 13-match winning run. He's 25. Average 20.1 points, 6.1 assists, 5.1 rebounds for the season. Uh, he has been great. He's been great all year. And and clutch plays too. Clutch plays is what you want. Bryce Cotton, still great. Averaged a league-high 22.68 points per game this season. But as you know, the Wildcats narrowly missed out in the spot in the playoffs the first time in 35 years. You know, any discussion of great sporting streaks... That has to figure in the conversation. 35 years, consecutive years, you made playoffs. And it had nothing to do, there's absolutely, it's purely coincidence and nothing to do with the fact that the year they missed out is the year that they get bought by this wonderful network, Sports Entertainment. <laughs> Didn't Hutchie apologise? Sorry. Sorry, folks. Not my fault. Uh, Scott Roth, by the way, he won the Lindsay Gaze Trophy for Coach of the Year after guiding the Jack Jumpers into the playoffs in their first season. I don't think anybody can argue with that. It's the last game of the year, and they just got over the line. They defeated every team at least once this season, the Jack Jumpers. Doesn't change the fact that the name still sucks. And that, by the way, is a feat never achieved by a club in their first campaign. So the MVP finalists who were joined in the all-NBL first team by Perth's Vic Law and Illawarra's Antonius Cleveland. So well done to all those involved tonight, the recipients or award winners at the NBL MVPs. 0457 736 736 is the text line number. We'll take our first break. On the other side of that, I'll check in with my friend Simon McLaughlin. He is the Deputy Sports Editor of the Daily and Sunday Telegraph. We'll have a look at what's coming up in the papers in the telly tomorrow.